This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's time for Ham Talk Live, episode number 244, COVID Research Update for Hams, recorded live on Thursday, January 28, 2021. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD. And we'll take your calls later on in the show. Last week, Michael Coulter, WHCI, was here to talk about the second cancellation of the Dayton Hamvention. If you missed that show, you can listen anytime at hamtalklive.com or on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. You can also catch the rebroadcast of Ham Talk Live on WTWW. That's 5085 AM. Saturday afternoons, and that usually runs about 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Lots and lots and lots of announcements here before we start. We'll try to make it quick. Winter Field Day is this weekend. Check out winterfieldday.com. There are rule changes um, for COVID-19, so make sure you check that out. The AM Rally is the following weekend. That's the first weekend of February. Uh, they encourage everybody to get on AM, whether it's uh, vintage gear or with vacuum tubes or a new SDR, doesn't matter. Get on AM, 160, 80, 40, 20, 15, 10, 6 meters. Uh, it's 0 Zulu Saturday, that's uh, 7 p.m. Eastern um, on Friday the 5th, uh, until 700 Zulu on Monday the 8th, which is 2 a.m. on uh, Monday February 8th. So check that out. The uh, Orlando Hamcation Special Edition QSO Party uh, will be a couple of weeks after that. That's Saturday, February 13th uh, from 10 until 10 Eastern Time, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. The uh, Special Edition webinars will be from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Check that out at hamcation.com. And, of course, the Virtual Ham Expo from QSO Today will return on March 13th and 14th. Uh, They've been working on uh, making that better. They have a kit-building workshop. You can can order it online and have it ready uh, to go and build it live. And um, they're also going to have some AMSAT stuff, uh, an AMSAT booth with representatives from the 30 AMSAT societies around the world and nine sessions by AMSAT experts. Uh, The tickets are $10 for the early bird, 
and uh, you get the live two-day period as well as the 30-day on demand. So check that out at QSOTodayHamExpo.com. All right, well, get your questions ready to go for Scott. If you're listening to us live on Thursday night, you can give us a call after uh, talk to Scott for a while. Let me give you the telephone number so you have it ready to go. It's 859-982-7373. We'll give that number out again uh, here in just a second and several times later on in the show. Again, that number, 859 859- 982-7373. You can also tweet us. It's at HamTalkLive on Twitter. And if you're listening live on Spreaker, you can type in the comments. And uh, we've got a little chat going on in there. So you can do that. And I'll be back with Scott right after this word from ICOM America right here on Ham Talk Live. Happy 2021 from ICOM. ICOM's IC705 gives hours of fun and enjoyment working your favorite bands this holiday season. The IC705 is the perfect sidekick for hams that like to enjoy what both the great indoors and outdoors have to offer. It's the perfect QRP companion, base station features and functionality at the tip of your fingers, in a portable package covering HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at just over 2 pounds with RF direct sampling for most of the HF band and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz. It comes with a 4.3-inch color touchscreen with live band scope and waterfall. It runs 5 watts with the battery, 10 watts with a power supply, Sideband, CW, AM, FM, as well as full D-Star functions are available. A micro USB connector, Bluetooth, wireless LAN, micro SD card slot, integrated GPS with antenna and GPS logger. The speaker mic comes standard and supports QRP and portable QRP operation. The perfect accessory for the IC705 is the now available optional backpack. LC-192 with a special compartment for your IC705 and room for accessories for soda activations or a day in the park. Other accessories now available include a QRP portable magnetic antenna, standard battery pack, lithium-ion battery pack, micro-USB cable, USB Type-C to micro-USB cable, a DC power cable, a compact lapel push-to-talk Bluetooth, with earphone and a desktop tray. And the antenna tuner is coming soon. And there's free software to download. The programming software, the Android app, the terminal mode access point mode application, and the smartphone picture utility for Android, iOS, and Windows. Also available is the RSBA1 IP remote control software, which requires purchase. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM radios. Coming to you live from the glass-enclosed Faraday box, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to ICOM America for sponsoring the show once again tonight. And tonight, Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, joins us on the Orlando Amateur Radio Club and Hamcation Zoom line. 
Dr. Wright is the past editor of the National Contest Journal from Rochester, Minnesota. He works for the Mayo Clinic teaching cardiology, which often takes him abroad where ham radio can go with him. He's an excellent contester and been on several de-expeditions. We met when we were kids in Louisville taking our, our license exams. And uh, he is a graduate of the University of Kentucky, and he was the co-principal investigator of the COVID-19 convalescent plasma research study at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, which is what he's here to talk about tonight. So, Scott, welcome back to the show. Neil, thank you. Always love your introductions. I remember meeting you in Louisville at the FCC testing session. We've both come a long way since then. And it's just nice that we've been able to renew our friendship in the last 15 years and and uh, do some fun things together. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, it has been uh, a lot of fun. And uh, I know you have been hard at work with this project, and it was, it was a very visible project, uh, to say the least. And, you know, you had a lot to, to talk about, and you've been on this show and other shows talking about um, all of the work that was going in and now the results are out. So, uh, we wanted to make sure you were back on the show to tell us how this, the story mostly ends, I guess, I guess it doesn't totally end, but, but to, to see what the results were on this and how ham radio ties into all of this. So, uh, let's see, that was April 23rd. You were here talking about that research and then two weeks ago the new england journal of medicine there's there's a journal for you the new england journal of medicine publishes uh the results so give us an update on what happened with the study and and what the results were and then also a little bit about how hams came through helping on this project be delighted to, Neil. And thank you again for having me and our teams work on your show in April. Let's trace back to March, April, little almost 10, 11 months ago now. We were just in the beginnings of an incredibly scary pandemic. We didn't have really any therapies at the time that we knew that would work to help reduce the risks of dying or progressing with COVID-19. And One of my colleagues at Mayo Clinic, Dr. Michael Joyner, had been asked by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration if he could put together a team of scientists from Mayo Clinic and other centers to test convalescent plasma. Now, many people are still wondering, what is convalescent plasma? Well, everyone knows about blood donations, and sometimes patients get blood cells, and sometimes they need plasma uh, to help with the coagulation in their blood, but convalescent plasma is a special form of the plasma that has antibodies and other viral fighting substances. And we had hypothesized in the early spring that using it would help patients with severely ill COVID-19. When we started the study, Neil, we had two big issues before us. One, we were expecting to enroll about 5,000 patients. And second, we didn't really have a supply of convalescent plasma. And I made a couple of media appearances on ham radio shows, yours and Ham Nation, and subsequently learned from our public affairs experts at Mayo Clinic that those appearances garnered an incredible amount of social media activity. 
and likely resulted in a lot of donation of people of plasma from people who had recovered from COVID-19. And so the ham community really stepped up as they always do during a time of crisis and donated not just their time, but their plasma, those who had recovered from COVID. It turns out that one of the individuals, one of the leaders at the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, Dr. Peter Marks, is also a ham operator. And we figured that out right about the time I went on Ham Nation. And uh, we had a special bond after that and uh, talked about how Ham Radio helped us both to sort of relax in our free time from the very stressful things we were working on. Peter largely uses his radio on his boat that he sails in the Chesapeake Bay and was telling me about a CUSO with a station in Saudi Arabia on sideband and how impressed he was with his vertical working on saltwater. And I, of course, shared how I was uh, up in the black hole of central, of southern Minnesota, north central U.S., where propagation was not always strong. And uh, I like to work Saudi Arabia, too, but it took a lot more power than 100 watts in a vertical for me to work Saudi Arabia. But I think the flexibility that being a ham operator teaches you, the, the problem-solving skills, the creative way of thinking, all contributed to how we worked collectively together and collaboratively together to solve this shortage of convalescent plasma, to test the convalescent plasma. And then as sort of the final uh, you know, act of getting a, a sub-study published from it. So like I said, we were expecting about 5,000 patients over the ensuing six months. But Neil, honestly, by the end of April, we'd enrolled 5,000 patients and we were shocked at how the study just took off like a Saturn V rocket launches. And it turned out by the end of August, when the Food and Drug Administration made their decision to issue an emergency use authorization for convalescent plasma, we'd enrolled a little over 105,700 patients. Wow. Yeah, it was just one of the largest clinical studies done in the history of medicine, frankly. Uh, not Probably not the largest, but one of the largest. We did it with a team of a group at Mayo Clinic. We assembled the first week of April, and I credit the collaboration model of Mayo Clinic, the support of our senior leadership, the dean of research, our uh, chief physician who is our CEO, and others who um, gave us the support and the access to IT resources, website resources, and just personnel who were temporarily furloughed, not really taken off work, but just didn't have the usual busy schedule because we had to close our clinical practice for a couple of weeks as we anticipated a huge surge so that we didn't run out of personal protective equipment or ICU bed space. And uh, so we were able to recruit a lot of talent who quickly helped us and got everything going. And many of them stayed with us through the duration of the study. And uh, I, I would love to give you a list of names. Many of them are authors on the New England Journal paper but I would forget someone and I don't want to offend anyone, but <laughs> let's just say that it was a team effort. I'm here on your show tonight, but I'm just one of several people. It's sort of like Michael Calter last week. He may be the spokesperson of the Dayton Hamvention, but there's a whole crew of people behind him. So, you know, let me tell you what we found. So the study was an observational pragmatic design, but we knew that the plasma would likely contain varying amounts of what we call neutralizing antibodies to kill the COVID virus or weaken it or to enhance your own immune action against it. But we didn't know which units of plasma would have high levels of neutralizing antibody, which, which units of plasma would have medium levels or low levels. In fact, the test to, to test for those hadn't even been designed by the time we were on your show. So we, our laboratory medicine group, uh, Dr. John Mills and uh, Dr. Ellie Thielen, 
at Mayo Clinic devised and designed these tests in May and June so that we could actually test a a sample, not not the entire 105,000 units, but a sample of about 3,000, which we thought statistically would give us sufficient power to see if the use of high titer convalescent plasma resulted in a reduction in mortality. So we gave the, the convalescent plasma we we worked through 10,000 hospital sites and 3,000 physicians. I'm sorry, I reversed that. 3,000 hosp- hospital sites and 10,000 physician PIs. So we had every hospital area in the United States with the exception of five, one being Bloomington, Illinois, and I forget where the other four are, and including every U.S. territory. So every hospital in Puerto Rico, every hospital in the Mariana Islands, in Guam, all the military bases overseas were, were all part of this. The VA system was part of it. Uh, big consortiums like Hospital Corporation of America joined and put all of their hospitals into it. Almost all the major academic hospitals did, but this study was largely done at the small town hospitals across the U.S. And we found, we, we gave the plasma to people who were critically ill, either in the ICU or thought at risk to being needing to go to the ICU within a few days. And of course, we found that the people who got the low titer plasma had about a 30% in hospital mortality, sorry, 30% mortality at 30 days, not in hospital, but 30 days. And the group who got the high titer plasma had a 22% mortality. So technically, it was a 7.3% absolute risk reduction. And for people who have a background in epidemiology, like one of your prior guests, Dr. Frank Howell, or others who may be listening, the number needed to treat there of 14.5 or so, which is a incredibly good in medicine. We think if a number needed to treat is 33 or lower, the drug's very effective or the treatment doesn't have to be a drug. And what we also found, Neil, was that uh, patients who were not on a a ventilator had a um, 36% relative risk reduction in their mortality. And patients on a ventilator did not seem to benefit. There was maybe a 5% reduction, but it wasn't statistically significant, but the 36% was. So the overall results showed a uh, 25% 25% risk reduction, but it was favoring the non-ventilated patients. Now, we didn't test plasma in patients in the emergency room or people at home, and that those studies are being done, and they're led by the NIH, and we think the answers will be out shortly. The UK just finished their convalescent plasma study in, in critically ill patients in the ICU, many of them on ventilators, and basically replicated the same results we did, that being in the, on the ventilator doesn't help. But I think the best way to summarize this is to share a story I had from my own practice two weeks ago. I was seeing a patient who needed heart valve surgery, and I said to him, have you had COVID? And he said, no, but he said, my wife has. <laughs> and I, my, 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 uh, my alerts went up because we screen everyone for COVID infections, including spouses, before we let them into our clinic. And I said, when, when were you diagnosed with COVID? She said, oh, it was in early December. And this was, of course, just two weeks ago. And I said, tell me more. And she said, oh, I was really ill, doctor. She said, I was in a hospital, and she named a central Minnesota town. And she said, I was in the ICU. And she said, my husband was prohibited from visiting me. And he said, that's right. I would call every day, or she would call me. And she said, they told me one day, they said, look, if you don't turn the corner soon, you're not going to make it. And she said, but, you know, they gave me this thing. And you maybe haven't heard of it, doctor. But she said, it's plasma, and it has antibodies. And they gave it to me. And two days later, I was out of the ICU at home a few days later. <laughs> And while we don't make much of single stories, that summarizes sort of our findings. And we kept hearing stories and stories like that 
uh, all through the study. So we thought we might be onto something. And we were absolutely relieved when the statistical data and the peer review process of the New England Journal, which is tough, you know, they, it's the world's leading medical journal. They put you through a very solid and appropriately hard peer review uh, with and looked at our data. We, of course, did some, some, some revisions as they would have requested, and then they decided to publish it, and they pushed it out early online so that the world could see it and start using it. Uh, so that that's the story, and uh, you know, it, many things in life contribute to giving us skills that help us to do the important tasks that we're called upon to do from time to time. And I have to say that ham radio was very helpful for me, and I think Dr. Marks at FDA would agree it was helpful and in, in with him as well. Well, I had some some great uh, great stories to relate from all of this, and uh, I know that. Uh, I've talked to a few hams who who donated plasma to this project and and tried to uh, you know to try to help out and uh, sounds like it was uh, it was very beneficial to the study and 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 was saving some lives and um, so we we got to love that. Well, how do you see this treatment being used and and where where do you think this is going to um, be used as, as this goes on for a while longer. If I could just give a shout out to everyone who's donated, they are the true heroes and the true people who've made a difference. We just designed the study and did the science, but we are deeply in, in, indebted to the patients, the recovered patients who donated plasma, who were selfless and altruistic and kind. You know, we talk sometimes about American exceptionalism and I look at how Americans donated to plasma with no reimbursement. They ask no questions. They put up with the hassles of the donation. And uh, it just rekindles my faith in, in this great country and what people can do when we, we work together. Let me say this. We have treatments today for COVID that we didn't have in April and May. We, of course, have the vaccines now, and I hope everyone will get vaccinated. I have. I've taken both both vaccines, both, sorry, both, both doses of a, of a vaccine had really no side effects from it. And I hope anyone who has the opportunity to get vaccinated will. The myths about the vaccine are just that myths. And uh, COVID is often a disease that leaves you feeling pretty weak and exhausted and, and, but not, it's not lethal, but for a small percent of people it is. And the vaccine can really protect you against both severe COVID and lethal COVID, I think. So let me just encourage all the ham talk live listeners to get vaccinated when they have a chance. Um, in the United States, we today have at least three therapies for COVID-19 besides convalescent plasma. We have remdesivir, which has now become the standard. There are other antivirals that are being used in combinations as a cocktail with remdesivir that I don't really know the names of right now, but they're being used. We have death, we have steroids, either corticosteroids or dexamethasone. And then we have monoclonal antibodies, uh, one being made right near where you are in, in at Eli Lilly in Indiana. Now, the monoclonal antibodies are really like, they take the very best parts of plasma, and uh, they take the antibodies that kill the COVID virus against the spike protein, and, and they, they enrich it thousands fold so that you get a really good dose. And this therapy is life-saving. It keeps 90% or so of people out of the hospital. They get it before they go in. And uh, we have tremendous access in the United States to this. So the need for plasma in the U.S. is less today than it was three or four months ago because we have FDA approval of the monoclonal antibodies. And uh, that's why patients who get COVID can recover so quickly. Um, so I see convalescent plasma being used in the patients for whom the monoclonals are not available. Uh, 
especially if it's used early in their hospital course, like the first couple of days, or even before they get in the hospital, before they deteriorate. So it's worth talking to your healthcare provider if you get COVID, you think you're deteriorating, if monoclonal antibodies are an option, if you should be on remdesivir and steroids and maybe plasma. But what we feel, Neil, is that many, many countries and many places in the world do not have access to the monoclonals for a number of reasons, uh, including financial barriers, right? Because we have a wealthy country in the U.S., so we can afford the doses. They're probably a 1000 or $2,000 a dose. I don't really know, but I'm guessing. But many countries just don't have the kind of budgets to support that. So plasma is a very inexpensive treatment that those countries can generate because you just collect blood from recovered COVID patients, and then you spend the plasma out, you test it for a level of antibody, and then you save the plasma that's got the highest levels of neutralizing antibodies and use that. So you can treat about three people for every donor you get. And so as COVID evolves, if we get a new variant or new strain that our current therapies don't work, monoclonal plasma, I'm sorry, uh, convalescent plasma will emerge that should be able to fight the new strain as we get people who recover from it. So it's a public health issue. We believe that it's uh, its greatest use will be outside the United States in many countries where they have a blood bank system, but they don't have the resources for monoclonals. So at a high level view, that's kind of where we see it being used now. All right. Very good. Well, one more question here, and then we're going to take a break and uh, <clears throat> take some uh, questions uh, on the phone here at 859 859- Nine eight two seventy three seventy three and uh, Twitter and all that, but uh, are there still? You mentioned a couple other actually already uh, other studies that are still going on with this, and then um, are there any ways that hams can jump in and help here again? Yes, uh, there are at least two other studies I'm aware of going on. Lisan Perosky from one of the New York City hospitals and uh, Shmim Schmoll at Hopkins are leading studies with convalescent plasma as randomized clinical trials. I believe their enrollments are done, but if not, and you have an opportunity to be in one of their studies, I would recommend you consider participating. We also think that it's it's worth still donating convalescent plasma because we need it. So we, we, don't, we don't think that the demand for it is predictable, meaning uh, we've seen, I think, 50,000 units used since we, st- we, we uh, first had the FDA EUA. So that's a huge use of plasma. And so there appears to be a strong demand for it, even with the newer therapies. So we still need lots of donors. And so I think hams can donate plasma if they've had COVID and recovered, or if they have a family member or a friend who has had COVID, they can encourage them to donate. Uh, and uh, let's stay tuned. We're not out of the woods yet with COVID. It's a, it's a terrible disease. It's a huge pandemic. I believe that we're near the be- end of the beginning of COVID, and I think we're going to turn the corner. I've seen modeling data, Neil, that if we can get a million people a day vaccinated through May, the number of deaths should fall substantially. I mean, 99.5% reduction by the summertime. And if that happens, and if those models are true, and again, this is all speculation, but if those models are true, then it'll be a new day in the United States and in the world when we can start doing that. So I think what HAM should do is get vaccinated, continue to socially distance as they can, wear a mask, be religious about it. Uh, you know, it's you would never operate on your transmitter, work on your transmitter or your amplifier or tune your antenna with the RF on and the power on. So with COVID, don't be out without a mask. It's not a political statement. It's a public health gesture that's there to save your life as much as it is anyone else's life. And, and you only spend your life wisely. You only get one, so to speak, you know, so don't take unnecessary chances and, uh, you know, be cautious until this whole thing resolves. The pandemic will go away. It'll follow the 1918 flu pandemic pattern probably and be gone in another six to 18 months. I don't know how long, but 
we will get through it. Let's just continue to uh, support one another, be on the air, have QSOs, socially isolate, but operate. How's that? Hey, there we go. And and a public service announcement from Ham Talk Live. Do not open up the cage of your amplifier and stick your hand in there. So ooh, that, that's we both know thing. that from <laughs> we both know that, don't we? Yes, Something we about do. being licensed before you were a teenager that helps you learn that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to uh, take a break here. We're going to come back with uh, Scott and talk a little more about this and maybe some other things, too. Uh, we'll take your uh, questions and comments after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. Jerry, what's up, man? I haven't seen you at Sunbucks in a while. I used to see you every morning getting coffee. What's up? Well, I can't afford Sunbucks five days a week anymore. I had to spend my money on PL259s. You know, those antenna projects I've been meaning to do. I had to do them before my HOA finds out I have antennas. That's too bad, Jerry. I miss seeing you and catching up over coffee. You should get your PL259s from Tower Electronics. They have great stuff. Jerry, you're back. Oh, QRM Heterodyne Frappuccino. That's a good choice. How's it going? Did you get all those antennas up before the HOA police showed up? Yeah, I got them all done. Thanks for telling me about Tower Electronics. Now I can have my coffee. I just saved a bunch of money on my PL259s by switching to Tower Electronics. Don't get caught without PL259s. Visit Tower Electronics online at pl-259.com or at a ham fest near you. Or give them a call at 920-435-2973. And be sure to pick up some power poles, adapters, and cables, too. Join the conversation. Give us a call at 859-982-7373. Again, the number to call is 859-982-7373. Or, if you'd rather type than talk, tweet us at Ham Talk Live. Now, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. At Ham Talk Live, we use commercial breaks to debate where the seeds for seedless watermelons come from. Now, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. We'd like to thank Scott and Jill at Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show tonight to bring Ham Talk Live your way. Uh, they're planning on being at the Dalton, Georgia Ham Fest, February 27th, but you can still find them 24-7 at pl-259.com. You can find Ham Talk Live at hamtalklive.com every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And before we get back to Scott and our uh, phone calls, it's time for the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week with Rick. Now it's time for the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week, the part of the show where Rick tells us a ham radio joke. The Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week is brought to you by QRM Labs. Now, here's Rick Garrett in 9GSU with today's Ham Talk Live Joke of the Week. 
A radio wave walks into the bar and asks for a beer. The bartender says, here, but why the long phase? This has been the Ham Talk Live, Ham Radio Joke of the Week with Rick Guerin in 9 GSU. Tune in again next week for another joke from Rick. Oh, well, Scott, there you go. This is the long phase. I don't know how Rick comes up with these jokes, but he's very talented. Uh, Neil, you must be paying him exceptionally well. <laughs> he's getting paid twice what you're getting paid to be on this show, so... Oh no! Just, and I know what he's just getting. To let you know. <laughs> well, it's time still, for your phone calls. Oh, go ahead. No, two times zero is still zero, right? Yes, it is. It is absolutely. Well, it's time for your calls right now. So, if you have a question or comment for Scott, give us a call at eight five nine. 982-7373. I'll give you the number here again in just a second. Or you can tweet us. It's at HamTalkLive. And if you're on Spreaker, you can type in the chat here. And if you're listening to us on WTWW right now or on the podcast edition, we're not here right now. It, it, it's it's not live. So we're not there. So uh, we're taking the live calls here, and we already have one on the line. Good evening. Welcome to Hand Talk Live, Andy. How are you fellas doing, Scott and uh, Neil? It's good to hear you all on there. Uh, Scott, I'm doing what I can. I just donated Tuesday again. I think this is my last go around. Hopefully, uh, you guys can get a handle on it. And uh, I donated what? Oh, Seven months ago, I guess, we started this program, and here I am still donating. So this one goes over to Fort Meade, I guess, and they divvy it out from there and see what develops. Uh, my name's Andy, Alpha Alpha Zero Whiskey X-Ray. But uh, hopefully we're doing the right thing. What say ye? You know, Andy, you are doing the right thing. And on behalf of all the medical community, let me thank you for being such a uh, kind and caring person to donate. Your, your altruism is wonderful, and uh, I know you're – this is so common among hams, and uh, you've really helped a lot of people. Uh, you know, two to three people will benefit from each each time you donate. So uh, thank you for all you're doing. And I like your call. You must have been in the zero land at one point and enjoyed our great propagation and our best uh, season of the year winter. Yeah, it was pretty good over in Colorado. I was over there with Amanda and all that crew. Uh, at that time, it was Kilo Echo Zero, Alpha Yankee Juliet, and then uh, a hurricane took me away to Puerto Rico with Val, and we ended up over there, and I became KP4 Alpha Alpha November, and now I'm back stateside, and I'm Alpha Alpha Zero Whiskey X-Ray, and uh, of course, it stands for Andy Anderson, and the last two is uh, weather. <laughs> I'm always involved with the weather somehow, so don't blame me for the cold weather up there. You chose where you live, and I, I'm where I'm at. But, uh, yeah, I've done uh, just about all the donations I could just about do. This last batch, I went over to Kankakee and did plasma there. And then I got to do a, a blood draw in two weeks down in Florida uh, that goes to Fort Meade. And they're going to look at that, see what's going on with my system, why I still have uh, high uh, antibodies uh, but no infection. So we'll see what develops with that. That's great. Well, congratulations on having a good immune response. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I have to admit, Andy is one of those people that I said I know. I know some people have donated. <laughs> so Andy was uh, telling me about it. We were going to try to get get together. He's he's back over here in in the Indiana area, and we we just kept missing each other. But uh, one of these days, we're going to catch up, Andy. 
Yeah, we could do that. That lemon custard sounding better all the time. <laughs> Let's see. Is that, was that chocolate mousse that has that lemon custard? Is that is that where that was? I don't know. It was downtown Bloomington there, and I can't remember yeah. if that place is still there. But it had yeah. lemon custard now. I believe that's chocolate mousse. So they, they've got a new building, but they're still there. So we'll, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to do that sometime. Well, Andy, thank you so much for calling in and thank you for your contribution to this effort too. Well, it's like, like, uh, Scott's saying, we can, uh, win this thing. We can beat it and, uh, just take everybody, uh, to believe that and stay on the wagon with us and, uh, just remember it, you know, we're going to do it. We are, and and thank you also for all of your help down in the the Puerto Rico uh, disaster, and, and you're just uh, helping everybody out. So we we really appreciate all that you've done, and it's it's that ham radio spirit, and I I, I applaud everything that you've uh, you've been doing here, especially these last few years that uh, has been a little more more public, but uh, we really appreciate it. Okay, we'll say seven three to you both, and uh, let somebody else get in there and uh, talk a little bit, and a little bit of education, and a little bit of storytelling, and uh, everything gets settled up that way. Appreciate <laughs> you being on tonight, Neil. Take it easy. Seven three. We'll talk at you later. Thank you. Seventy three. Right. Thank you, Andy. Seven three. Eight five nine nine eight two seventy three seventy three is the phone number to give us a call. We have a few minutes here to take some calls, so give us a ring at eight five nine nine eight two seventy three seventy three. Um, over in the chat and and my and my text on my cell phone, which which we don't normally give that number out, but this person has it. Ryan KD nine DAB says loves to hear numbers like that and love and listen to the show. Uh, tonight and uh, thanks to dr scott wright k0 md so thanks for listening ryan i hope you uh enjoy it and uh chris aa4cb is tuning in again tonight so thank you chris for always being there and uh appreciate you listening and let's see if we have anything over here on on twitter jim wilson k5nd says uh, congratulations to Scott on his very successful three-year tenure as editor of the National Contest Journal. That's actually on my list, too. Uh, impressive to squeeze that in amidst all of this work. So so thank you uh, also for that. And we have another call on the line. So let's go to the phones. Bloomington, Indiana, hello. <laughs> hey, Neil. Uh, it's Ryan, KD9DAB. Uh, long time no talk. Yeah, it, it's been a long time. And I saw the caller ID. I thought I'd do my uh, my tribute to Larry King there, and you know, um, Bloomington, Indiana. Hello. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to um, say thank you to Doctor Scott. Um, I didn't even I knew that you had been involved with um, some of the studies um, with covid and stuff like that i've seen that around on twitter uh read the paper and then saw your name on it uh that was kind of really cool to see um i've been keeping up on it i'm not sure we haven't 
caught up in a while, but uh, I'm actually studying epidemiology uh, during this crazy time. So uh, that was really cool to see the, the connect, and it's great to hear hands helping out during this uh, unprecedented time. Thanks, Ryan. It's just seems like the other day we saw each other at Dayton, and you were getting awards and leading the K-9-SOU Bloomington South High School Club, and Neil told me during break that you are a grad student now at IU, so congratulations on all you're doing. And I have to say, what an exciting time to be studying epidemiology. It really uh, brings it home, right? The, Bill Gates, in his uh, letter, he and Melinda Gates, to the letter to their foundation uh, and the community writ large, said uh, this past week that this is the year that global health became global. So how exciting, uh, Ryan. And uh, hopefully you can get involved in some studies and uh, do some things while the, while the pandemic's going on to help with your education. Yeah, uh, that I uh, was also... Um, thinking about this, this semester I'm taking two classes that are perfect for this time. I'm taking infectious, infectious epidemiology and then public health informatics. So all this data wrangling with contact tracing and stuff like that, um, we got to figure out the, the backbone of it. That's that's my plan this semester. So uh, yeah, I uh, I really appreciate all that you've done. Um, I also read your paper about. Um, the heart attack risk with uh, homeless populations, that was really awesome to read. Um, at IU, we're really kind of pounding in social determinants of health and stuff like that. So that's fantastic to hear. Oh, thank you. Yes, that's a very sobering uh, set of data. For those who are listening to Neil's show tonight, uh, uh, we, we published a paper in the Mayo Clinic Proceedings showing that if you are homeless and have a heart attack, your risk of dying is probably double what someone who's not homeless is. So it's an important group of patients to pay special attention to. And, you know, Ryan, I want to give a little shout out right now, if I may, to the uh, dean at the Ohio State University Medical Center. They actually have mobile units that go out and uh, try to treat homeless people and to do follow-up care. And I wish all of the major hospitals would do what, what, what we're seeing that the chancellor has started at Ohio State, excuse me, the Ohio State University yes, the- uh, Medical Center. Yes, <laughs> yes. I realize that both the IU alumnus on this call and the UK alumnus on the call uh, have probably had painful memories watching our teams lose to the Ohio State. So, uh, <laughs> but when it comes to public health and global health, we put all that aside and work together. Absolutely, 100%. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for uh, giving a call tonight and uh, – Good luck with the studies and keep on working on all that epidemiology. And yeah, that's a fabulous <laughs> time to be uh, to be studying that. It it should hit right home. Right on. Well, thanks for having me, Neil. Uh, both of you guys stay safe, um, and I'll catch you sometime later. Thank you, Ryan. Nice to hear from you. Seventy three. Seventy three, Ryan. We have a very interesting story during the COVID study in New Hampshire. We had a couple of patients who wanted to receive convalescent plasma, but they were unable to take it because they were both critically ill and unable to give informed consent. And we had two other mechanisms for patients, for their families or others to provide the informed consent, but the laws in New Hampshire blocked it. But the families really were asking if we couldn't do something. So we actually 
uh, harnessed our connections and used social media to get in touch with the governor's office, and they were able to uh, pass a uh, either waive a, waive a requirement or pass a law to allow during pandemics for patients to have access to experimental therapies without specifically having to do written informed consent if they could give other acceptable means of consent. So um, it was a very interesting troubleshooting experience that we had uh, that uh, you don't hear about very often. Very, very interesting. Well, Scott, I'm looking at the clock and it's, it's already over time. So uh, I do want to mention one last thing here before you go, because we just haven't had had you on here because you've been so busy with all this. Uh, but, uh, Jim Wilson mentioned it, uh, you know, congratulations on, on the three year run as the editor of the national contest journal. I know that, uh, you had to, uh, kind of get some relief <laughs> on that, uh, th- throughout the last little bit of your, uh, term because of all the research going on. But, uh, but, uh, thank you for all of that support and thank you for bringing me on there and, and, and starting to, uh, contribute. And, uh, you've got a new editor that's, uh, taken over for you. Yes. Lee Finkel, KY7M, a longtime contester, very experienced, uh, writer, uh, attorney by training and academic by training has taken over and is doing a wonderful job. Neil, I just have to say that two of the best decisions I made as editor were to recruit you and Jim Wilson as authors. And uh, both of you touched audiences and brought material that no one else had ever done before and made the journal much better. So thank you for the kind words, but really uh, like this study, the the credit belongs largely to those who did the writing and the hard work. And so thank you, Neil, for putting up with us every two months. It seemed it always, always at a challenging time uh, from our schedules to get the, 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 the articles in, but, but you did it and uh, you did some great interviews and almost every issue that I was editor, we had someone uh, who was young, a younger person, a youth uh, contester on the cover, which was great. And, uh, you know, we, we did our part to help uh, grow a ham radio among uh, younger operators, and Jim helped us with uh, explaining a lot of VHF and UHF contesting tips and tricks and techniques. And it was just, uh, you know, both of you just brought tremendous value to the journal. I hope that you'll both continue writing for it for the long time. And uh, I want to say, you know, I'm working right now on a series of articles for NCJ about uh, what we call gateways. Uh, events to contesting. So I'm looking forward. Frank Hal and I have some exclusive data from the ARRL that we're analyzing and uh, looking forward to submitting that later this year to NCJ and also to QST. So uh, even though I'm no longer editor, uh, I, I carry the title past editor with great pride and the passion for writing hasn't left. So I'll be, uh, you'll probably see works for me from time to time being submitted. Well, we look forward to it. Thank you so much for all of that and thank you for being on the show tonight again to fill us in on the next chapter of this whole study and uh, really appreciate uh, all that you do and i i appreciate your friendship and and your willingness to come on here and and talk about all this stuff so uh thank you so much and uh, we'll we'll do it again soon i'm sure Thank you, Neil, and give my best to Julie, your lovely bride, and uh, congratulations again on your wedding earlier uh, in 2020. Uh, Well, thank you so much. 
All right. Well, we're going to finish things up here tonight. That is a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. Thanks to my guest, Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening and calling in, typing in, and invite you back next Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And for a list of our upcoming guests, visit hamtalklive.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a review. And uh, actually, tonight, uh, we're, we're going to announce a, a new little contest that we're going to do. Uh, we're going to give away some free T-shirts out of the iTunes reviews that are posted between now and the end of February. So if you go to uh, iTunes and leave a review, and uh, we'll go through how to do that real quickly here, uh, make sure you include your call sign so I can find where to where to send everything but we're going to give out some some free t-shirts to those that uh leave us a review so what you want to do is open up the uh, podcast app if you have an apple ipad or iphone um, or itunes on your computer if uh, you don't have a mobile device that has uh the apple podcast app on it and uh, search for ham talk live click on the logo and then the if you just scroll down, it'll say write a review. And again, make sure you leave your call sign in there. So if you're an iTunes user, which most podcast listeners actually are, statistically anyway, it's about 70%, I think it is. Uh, so, you know, if you're not, leave us a review elsewhere, but we're going to do the T-shirt giveaway on iTunes. Um, so leave us a review and... Um, That'll help others find the program faster. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours.